0: Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Two scripture verses I want us to turn to today. The first one is Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And the, se- the second is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. If you're wondering where Zechariah is, it's towards the end of the Old Testament. And it's, Zechariah was referred to as a minor prophet because he wrote a prophetic work, but it was short. It wasn't a very long book. So Zechariah chapter four, verse six. And before we jump into that, how many of you want to hear a good joke? I like to read jokes. Um, So there was a wife who had called down from upstairs to her husband who was sitting downstairs, and she shouted to him and she said, hey, do you ever get a searing, terrible pain in your chest like as though someone was stabbing you with a voodoo doll? And he stopped and thought, no. And he said, no, I don't. She waited a second, and then the wife said, okay, how about now? (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't get that, just think about it for a second, and you'll get it. All right, back to Zechariah chapter 4. That joke bombed. That's a good joke. You guys should have laughed at that. That was a funny one. Golly. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, title of the message is, By My Spirit. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might as the Lord of hosts. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might as the Lord Nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How many of you have heard that scripture before? Probably if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard that one before. I take the title of our message from this passage today and the the idea that we want to revolve around today is this idea that what happens in our lives for the sake of the kingdom of God doesn't happen by our prowess, by our skill, by our smarts, by our good looks, by our influence. It doesn't happen by might. It doesn't happen by power. It happens by the spirit of the living God. Can you say amen? The question is, how are you going to overcome in your life? How are you going to overcome sin? How are you going to live in victory over fear? How are you going to live in victory over depression, over lust? How are you going to receive your healing? How are you going to live this impossible Christian life that God calls us to, to live? How are you going to be a world changer for the kingdom of God? It's not going to be by might. It's not going to be my power. It's going to be by the Spirit of God. Amen? Now, I want to you know, address in, in this message today, at least in part, the work that God's Spirit does within us. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. The Holy Spirit within us is the key to living the life that God has prepared for us to live. Amen? His Spirit living in us is key. So let's, let's dive into this one and then we'll go forward to Ephesians 3 here in just a few minutes. Zechariah 4, 6, again, not by might, not by power, But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There's a strong contrast given to us here between the natural and the supernatural. This is where we're gonna begin today. There's a strong contrast here given to us between what is natural and what is used here to describe might and power. They both denote strength in a very natural sense. One of the words is often translated as like brute strength, you know, physical, powerful strength. Um, The second can mean military or economic strength. Both of those words view victory through the lens of what's possible in the natural. You following with me so far? Now, before we go any farther, we need to pause here for a moment and comment on the fact that the world in which we live is not merely natural. If we're going to understand everything that we want to talk about, that I want to talk about to you this morning, the first thing we need to, the first box we need to check is this, that the world in which we live is not merely natural. Natural. The world that you and I occupy cannot be summed up in its totality in what we can smell and see and feel and taste and hear. We are in a world that prays heavily on our five senses. Amen. The world prays on your senses. When I pray like a like a lion chasing its prey, not like pray like bow your knees and pray. The world and the world in which we live, the spirit of this age, you could say, preys upon your natural senses. The devil would love nothing more for you, than for you and I to believe that what we see is all that there is. Right? That's the point that we're trying to make. The enemy would love nothing more for you to just believe that what you see here is all that there is. But a very real part of our world exists beyond what we can see. Amen. One of the greatest revelations that you and I will ever have is that there is a world that exists outside of the world of our five senses that we can see. There is a supernatural, spiritual realm that very much exists. And our lives as Christians depends on what happens in that other supernatural world. You following with me so far? To think spiritually, to think in terms of beyond just the natural, to think in terms of spiritual things should not be unusual to us as Christians. It's the normal. Amen? I know we tend to freak people out when we talk about spiritual things, but we're not trying to freak them out. And, and how many of you know there's good ways to communicate spiritual realities to people that do not live with any spiritual reality or spiritual awareness, right? Your unsaved cousin doesn't think the way that you think when it comes to praying, when it comes to tithing, when it comes to reading your Bible. Why do we place such priorities on spiritual activities? It's because we realize that there is a spiritual world that exists beyond what we can see. Amen. And that's not, that shouldn't be weird to us. But it has become the case for much of the body of Christ that spiritual things are weird. I was thinking about this. Gadarenes, y'all remember who that, you know who that guy was? He was the crazy guy. He was naked and had, had, they tried to chain him up. The people of Samaria tried to chain this guy up and every time they chained him up, he would break through the chains. He had so many demons in him and he ran around naked terrorizing the people of his community and he would cut himself with stones and he was just absolutely tormented and when Jesus and the disciples get off of Jesus' boat or uh, off of Peter's boat, they step onto land and this guy comes running from the tombs to come meet them and this is what's amazing. When he gets there, he doesn't try to terrorize them, he actually bows down and worships Jesus. That's wild. And then, you remember the discourse that happens? Jesus says to him, come out of him, and the, and the demons inside the guy start talking back and say, we are, uh, our name is Legion, for we are many. Thousands of demons potentially live in this guy. The Bible doesn't tell us how many demons actually live in him. All that we know is that when Jesus casts him out, he casts them into 2,000 pigs, and the pigs run off the cliff and kill themselves. So there had to be a lot of demons in this guy. What's amazing, and if you don't think about this, you ought to think about it, what's amazing is that 2,000 demons living in this guy can't stop him from worshiping Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus takes authority over him and casts him out. And unfortunately, the town does something really strange at this point. The town tells Jesus, please leave In other words, Jesus, we were cool when this guy was out of his mind and possessed with demons. Now that he's sitting in his right mind, we need you to leave. In other words, it got weird to them when spiritual things began to actually happen. When people really started getting free, all of a sudden, that's a problem. I'm here to tell you that's the world that you and I live in today. We're fine with playing our religious games while people are, are, are covered in sin. People are filled with depression, anxiety, fear, the cares of this world, sickness, disease, demonic things. We're totally okay with that as long as they don't disrupt our little, you know, religious bubble. But as soon as somebody gets free, all of a sudden we're the weirdos in town, right? Y'all follow me? Yes. There's a very real spiritual world that exists and you and I need to be aware of it. In fact, our children are growing up surrounded by a worldview which doesn't merely deny the existence of God, but denies the existence of anything that cannot be calculated or measured by natural means. And I'm here to tell you, that's, the Bible calls that the spirit of the age, and we need to push against that. Amen. Don't rely on the school system to do it. It's going to happen in your living room. Amen. Not only does God live in the spirit realm, but he invites us to live in it as well. That's why the Bible says stuff like, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Whoever sows to the flesh reaps corruption, but whoever sows to the spirit reaps life. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. You're familiar with these kind of scriptures. They're reminded, it's a constant reminder throughout the Bible that there is a very present, very real spiritual dimension to this world that we can't see with our eyes, but it exists and it's real. And we need to be aware of it. Now, the prophet Zechariah is reminding us that when it comes to living the God kind of life, it happens one way. And that is, it happens by the spirit of the living God. Amen? Not by your power, not by your might, not by whatever influence you have, not by whatever uh, you know, uh, momentum you've got going in your career, not by whatever your social status is. None of these natural things count for much when it comes to seeing people's lives transformed. It's not going to happen by power or by might. It's going to happen by God's spirit. Amen. All the promises of God happen this way by the Spirit of the Lord. So here's the takeaway from this verse. Are you ready? Because we got to move to Ephesians. I don't want to camp here for too long. But here's the takeaway from this verse. There is a template, if you will, for life. And that is that God's will getting accomplished in my life is reliant on my availability to his spirit in my life. How are you going to be blessed? Not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit. How are you going to live an overcoming life? Not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit. How are you going to see your marriage restored? Not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit. Can you say amen? How are you going to see your kids grow up and be the kind of kids that turn into the adults that you want them to be, that serve Jesus and love God and contribute to society and are blessed in all that they do? Not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit. This is a template for life, okay? And that template is that God's will getting accomplished in your life is directly related to your availability to his spirit in your life. Amen. Use marriage as an example. If we want our marriage to be blessed, my wife and I, what do we have to do? We have to make our marriage available to God's spirit. Missed a great place to say amen there. Thank you, Kathy. I got, that. I got one amen from Kathy. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. If I want my life to be, if I want my business to be blessed, then my business has to be made available to God. If I want my marriage to have bl- a blessing on it, I, I have to make my marriage available to God's spirit. This is the the template for life. In fact, we used to, we grew up saying it this way, or we grew up having it said to us this way when we were young. That is, that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will only influence the places in our lives where we give him availability and give him access. The Holy Spirit will not violate your free will because he gave you your free will and he, he values what he put in you enough not to violate it. So he loves you so much that he will, he will wait for you to choose him. He will wait for you to make, him, make your life available to him. Isn't that amazing? So now we jump forward. We take this idea in our mind now that there's this template, okay? There's this way that I can live, this pattern of life that whatever I make available to God's spirit is what his spirit will fill in my life and what he will bless in my life. Now let's take this over into Ephesians chapter three because what we see here is that Paul takes takes this template, he takes this platform established by the prophet Zechariah, and he adds to it. He adds new covenant language to the concept of God's spirit working in our lives. You see, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, God's spirit, the best that God's spirit would do or could do was to come on someone, to manifest upon someone. But in the new covenant, God actually, his spirit actually gets to live in us. So it gets to go to a whole new level and a whole new depth. And so Paul now begins to add to this Old Testament paradigm, this Old Testament idea of God's spirit being on our lives. And Paul says, wait, 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 it gets a whole lot better. He'll actually live inside of you if you let him. Amen. So how does it all work? Well, let's read Ephesians chapter 3 and we'll find out. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. The target verse is verse 16, but let's read from verse 14 for context. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Here we go, verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory... To be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. This is the New Testament take on the Old Testament concept that we read in Zechariah. And this verse is what the Spirit of God has been stirring in my heart for you this week. Because I believe somebody needs to be strengthened with might by his spirit in their inner man this morning. Amen? Now let's, let's look at this for just a second. How does this all work? We talked, about, we talked about being yielded to God's spirit and him working in us not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. How does that happen? I believe Paul answers that question with this verse. It happens by his spirit in our inner man. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this sentence down. God communicates to us and accomplishes through us by his spirit in our inner man. God communicates to us and accomplishes through us by his spirit in our inner man. So I have a question for you this morning. Maybe you've thought of this before. Maybe you've never thought of this before. Maybe it'll be a new concept. I don't know. But what is an inner man? (laughs) Did you ever read something in the Bible and scratch your head and go, what the heck is he talking about? What is an inner man? What is the inner man? Well, let's answer that question biblically, okay? I'm going to quote a couple verses to you, and y'all just follow me. Just come along for the ride. You don't even have to turn there. Just I'll I'll quote these to you, and you, you listen. Romans chapter 7, verse 22, Paul says, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 says, "For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit which is in the man?" You see, this concept of an inner man is an idea that we find all throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And it's regarding or referencing our individual spirits and souls. We would call them our hearts and our minds. Y'all following me this morning? We would call our spirit, our heart, and our soul, our mind. And how many of you know the Bible talks a whole lot about your spirit and your soul? and your inner man. That's what the Bible's referencing. When Paul says that we would be strengthened with might by his spirit in our inner man, it's talking about your spirit and your soul being strengthened by the spirit of God. It's talking about your heart and your mind being radically transformed by God's spirit. And this is what the Lord wants us to see today. Our hearts and our minds are are what the Bible is referencing when it talks to our our inner man. The inner man, I put it this way, the inner man is the real me. It's the part that you can't see. You see the body. You see the physical outside. But the real me is on the inside and you can't see it. And the, the real you is on the inside and I can't see it. You and I are so much grander and so much greater than our physical representation. Can you say amen? Amen. If you're like me and you don't always like the way you look, then praise God. I'm glad that the real me doesn't look like this. Amen? Hallelujah. Another another joke hits the turf. Okay. (laughs) There we go. Glory to God. The inner man, when the Bible talks about the inner man, talking about our heart. It's talking about our mind. It's talking about the internal components of each and every human being that the outside world doesn't necessarily recognize. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 16. This is good. It says, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day by day. When we speak of the inward man, we're speaking of the matters of the heart and mind by identifying our spirits and our souls. So again, let's back up and let's read verse 16 again. You can see it up on the screen. Paul, This is is a prayer that Paul is praying for the Ephesian people, that God would grant you, that's you, that's me, That God would grant us, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit. Sound familiar? Kind of sounds like Zechariah 4, doesn't it? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. How are you going to get the mind of Christ on the inside of you? It's not going to come by your might. It's not going to come by your power. It's going to happen by his spirit. How's the power and the reality of the new covenant going to work in your life? Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. How are you going to overcome every fiery dart that the enemy sends your way? Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. I want want this to be drilled into us by the time we leave here today. How are you going to get your next door neighbor healed when they come down with cancer? Not by might, not by power, by your spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Every challenge, every single thing that we come against in this world, every opportunity that we have for breakthrough, it doesn't happen by us. It doesn't happen because we're so great or we're so smart. Let me put it into a corporate context for a second. How are we going to, build a, how are we going to continue to build an awesome church in Boone? Not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit. It's not just because we have great ideas and great systems and great ideas. I said ideas twice. That was funny. It's not going <laughs> to be because we have just brilliant strategy. I believe in strategy, and I trust the Lord for brilliant strategy. But listen, it's all because God has a plan and has a desire and has people that are willing to yield to his spirit. And the more we yield to his spirit, the more he'll be able to actually accomplish in our lives. Amen. Amen. So when we speak of this inward man, we're speaking of matters of the heart. And here's God's goal in the whole thing. Are you ready? Here's God's goal. That our hearts and our minds would have a perfect, unbroken connection to God's spirit all the time. Amen. This is the goal of the whole thing. When God says that it's going to happen by his spirit, what does he mean? He means that you and I, that our inward man, our hearts and our minds, would have a perfect, unbroken connection to God's spirit all the time. God's idea for living is that our heart connection to him would be the place that we live from and the place that we make all of our decisions from. I want want to stop there for a second. I just want you to think about that. I'm going to read it to you one more time, and I just want that to settle settle on your mind for a second. God's idea for living is that our heart connection to him would be the place that we live from the place that we make all of our decisions from. What happens if you and I maintain a posture of connection with God, that, we're, that it's my highest priority, it's my highest goal in life, is to just connect to my Father and stay connected to Him all the time? Then what happens when calamity strikes your house? I'm here to tell you, you respond to the calamity completely different than if you and I had been feasting on our flesh all day. You know? I mean, what happens? What happens when you get bad news? Do we, do we just fall to pieces? Or do we say, wait a minute, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Hold on, hold on. I've been in connection. I've been in communion with my Father today. He's been telling me that he's proud of me, that he's pleased with me, that that I am who the Bible says that I am. He's been saying some great things to me in my fellowship time with the Lord. So this little issue that's trying to come up, not a big deal. I'm I'm in perfect union with my Father. That's the idea that God has for you and I. That's what he's saying to us in Ephesians chapter 3. That there is a heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit connection between us and our God. And his idea is that that connection be the place that we live from. Do you think that you and your spouse would argue quite the same if both of you were perpetually seeking after God together? Uh-uh. I'm here to tell you by experience because I've done it both ways, okay? We, we've done it both ways. We've had days where we're, where we're in step with the Spirit of God, where we've prayed, we've spent time with God. Our affections are turned towards him. Our, our ear, the ear of our heart is leaning in towards God. You know, it's no mistake that we make the confession of faith that we make at the beginning. The eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you. What are we doing? We're priming the pump on the inside for our hearts to connect to his heart. You see what I'm saying? It's not arbitrary. It's not just a cliche, cool thing to do. It's us preparing our own spirits to interface and interact with God. I mean, what greater compliment could we give the Lord than to give him our attention? What greater element could we give back to God than to just give him our focus? And, what, and listen, what greater experience could we actually experience than to communicate with the God of the universe? I mean, do you realize that when you hear God's voice in your own life about whatever problem you're dealing with or, or not even about a problem, just when you hear him say, hey, I love you, I value you, you're my, you're my child, you're my favorite God tells everybody that they're his favorite. Amen? That's what I do to my kids. I tell them, you're my favorite. And then the other one's like, I thought I was your favorite. I'm like, well, you're my favorite too. When you, do you realize that when you hear God's voice in your own heart, you are hearing the same voice that spoke the stars into existence? You're hearing the same voice that formed the planets? You're hearing the same voice that framed eternity? And he just loves you just enough to talk to you. That's amazing. amazing. What if we were to live from that place of fellowship with him? This is why David says, as the deer pants after the water, so my soul longs for you. He didn't say his flesh. He said his soul. What's he talking about? He's talking about his inner man. His inner man, y'all, get, y'all got the concept, don't you? You're smart, you got this, I know, it's amazing. Isn't this awesome? Your inner man is alive to God. Your spirit, your soul, your heart, your mind is connected to him. What dependence on God. What amazing dependence on the spirit of God. I me mean, think about David's words, as the deer pants. <laughs> Anybody got a Dog. You ever get your dog all worked up, and you run around, and then they come back in the house, and they're like, <laughs> and they got to lay down, and their tongue's hanging out, and their chest is heaving. They've been sprinting through the yard. So we love to do it to our dog, because he's wild, so we just, we let him. I'm not ready for the music yet. Thank you, though, guys. <laughs> so I just feel like the Oscars all of a sudden. No, don't, I'm not done yet. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll get there, though. We're almost there. We're going to land the plane in about 10 minutes. Hallelujah. Think about this though, you take your animal out and and you run him and run him and run him and then he comes in and he's panting and all he wants is that water dish because there's nourishment, there's sustenance, there's help. The thing that he needs, he's craving it, he's panting for it. What if your inner man would would live that way? Here's the reality. The longer we stay out of fellowship with God, the harder our spirit pants for him. Think about that. The longer we stay out of fellowship for God, the more our spirit man on the inside (laughs) longs for the Lord. The problem is when we we ignore our spirit and we pay attention to our flesh, the voice of our inner man gets quiet and we can't hear it as well. We can't hear the, the panting going on on our insides. I want you to understand the severity of this. Y'all doing okay? I know the Oscar music threw you off there, but that's all right. We're we're good. I'm not, when, when when I talk about David saying as the deer pants for the water brook, I'm not talking about something emotional. We're talking about something real and living. It's a real and living relationship with a real and living God. And it's all happening in your heart. Imagine this. Imagine that your heart and mind are so engaged with God throughout the day that all of your responses to life are based on the fellowship that you're enjoying with Him. Wow. This is not meant to be weird. It's actually meant to be totally normal. This is normal Christianity 101. Okay. Now, the payoff in this verse Ephesians 3:16 let's put it back up on the screen and we'll read it one more time and here's the payoff from this verse that God would grant unto you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man what happens when i'm in fellowship with God and all my reactions to life are based on that fellowship what happens when that's going on? Well, according to this verse, he strengthens you with might. Yeah. <laughs> that's the payoff. That's the big hurrah of this verse. That when I am in communication with and fellowship with his spirit, the net result of that is that he strengthens me with might. Again, let's, let's make this practical. Put it, in the, put it in the context of your, well, we've been using marriage all day. Let's put it in the context of our business for a second or your job. What would happen if you went on to your job so connected to, so in step and in communion with the Spirit of God that throughout the day when it's time for you to make a decision in your job or in your business, the Holy Spirit was there to tell you what that decision would be? Right? I know a lot of you guys in here, you own your own businesses. Or you do, or or, or you got important jobs, or you're doing something that requires your attention each day. Moms that are stay at home with their kids. What would happen, moms, if you just lived with such fellowship and communion to God that when conflict arose amongst your children, or when there was a question that your child has that you don't have a prepared answer for, what if in that moment the Spirit of the Lord was to raise up something on the inside of you, and you would be able to answer the question? Or what if there's a big deal on the table and you, and you don't know exactly all the details that you need to know to make this deal come to pass and all of a sudden while you're in the boardroom, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and you know exactly what to say and the deal goes through and you get blessed. That's God's idea for life. That's how he wants to relate to you. The Bible says of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter two, it says that they would walk with God in the cool of the day. You know what the word cool of the day means in the Hebrew? It's the word which means in the spirit. God would literally come down into the garden, and he and Adam would walk together. He and Eve would walk together, and God would speak to them heart to heart, spirit to spirit. This internal relationship is what God has always been after. He doesn't want much. He just wants your whole heart. Why? So that he can speak to you, so that he can strengthen you with might. I believe this is so important, and I don't know why, this week, I believe maybe somebody needs to hear this this week, that that God wants to strengthen you with might by his spirit. He wants to give you, watch this, I looked up the word might in the Greek. He wants to give you a strength that is not your own strength. He wants to make you mighty with his might and with his power and with his ability. David said, by my God, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. You know what a troop is? A troop is 100 guys in military terms. Troop was 100 guys, and David said, by my God, I can run through 100 dudes and then jump over a city wall. That's some serious God ability. Hello, are you awake this morning? Pinch your neighbor, yes. By my God, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Isaiah 40, 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and they shall not faint. Think about Moses. Think about David and Goliath. Think about Elijah. Think about Jonah. Think about Noah. Think about Joshua. Every single miracle that you ever read in Scripture was the result of someone who got close enough to God that his power became their power, that his strength became their strength. Moses didn't know how to part a Red Sea. There was no Red Sea parting class for Moses when he was in Egypt school as a kid, okay? This was not something he had a brilliant strategy for. As a matter of fact... When they stand before the Red Sea, Moses is terrified. Moses is whining to God. Go read it in the Book of Exodus. Moses, they get they get in front of the Red Sea. The Red Sea's in front of them. Pharaoh's whole army, the whole nation of Egypt, is behind them, bearing down on them. And what does Moses say to God? Lord, you bring us out here to kill us? Lord, you just—I mean, ten plagues. All this amazing stuff. You turned my rod into a serpent and then back into my rod and then back into a serpent again and then back into my rod. You killed all the firstborn in Egypt. You sent frogs and locusts and turned the rivers to blood and you did all this amazing stuff just so that we could come out here and be fish food. What does God say to Moses? He said, Moses, stretch out your staff. What happened when Moses stretched out his staff? Moses, in that moment, stepped over into the supernatural realm. He got close enough to God to where God's power overwhelmed his power, and something miraculous happened this is the template for human life. How are you going to get through the Red Seas of your life? How are you going to conquer Goliaths in your life? How are you going to scale walls? How are you going to uh, build the things God's called you to build? How are you going to be the person, the mom, the dad, the father, the, the, the mother? How are you going to be the husband or the wife or the business leader that God has called you to be? Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. It's when you and I, get into the place where his spirit speaks louder to us than everything else around us. And in that moment, what shows up is strength. He strengthens us with might by his spirit in our inner man. Somebody needs an infusion of strength this morning. God did not send me to preach this word today just for an arbitrary reason. Somebody needs the strength of heaven in their life this morning. What if that was our story? Music. (laughs) See, look how good they are. They're just on it. I love you guys. What if that was your story today? What What if we made a decision to just let our hearts and our minds, our inner man, be influenced by the Spirit of God so that he could actually empower us with resurrection life so that he could empower us with wisdom so that he can empower us with strength what if you made a decision to let your heart and mind be influenced by god and then call the shots for the rest of instead of your flesh what could happen In our families this week, if we decided to let everything be done not by our might, not by our power, but by God's Spirit, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be powerful? You say, not only would it be amazing, but it can be amazing. It's not just a great idea, it's God's will. It's his best for you. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is so real. The heart of God is so real. And he so desires to infuse his strength into you if you'll just let him if we'll get out of our own way long enough to let the Lord use us. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, We love you and your life counts.